Amen. Wonderful to see you here this morning. You can be seated. Just while everybody's being settled, I want to thank God for Sunday school this morning. Everybody is invited to Sunday school. We start about 9.30 till a little after 10. And uh, Damon and Katie uh, taught this morning from Psalm 17. It's very good. We're doing a uh, teaching through, through some of the Psalms. And the uh, Lord's really blessed it. So I thank the Lord for it. Anyway, we'll have prayer tonight at 6 o'clock and communion at prayer as well. And uh, please be in prayer for the Williamsburg uh, Retirement Center. We're going to be ministering there this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And anybody is welcome to come. You don't have to, have to sign up or anything. Just show up there. And there's a little chapel, and we have a wonderful time encouraging uh, and fellowshipping with uh, the residents there. So I want to pray for us one more time just for our message this morning, if you would pray for with me. Father, we love you this morning, God. And God, we want to feast upon Christ this morning. We want to feast upon your word. It's not enough, Lord, that we just show up in a building and sit in a pew and listen, God. Give us ears, spiritual ears to hear and spiritual eyes to see you, and help us to be fed and nourished and built up spiritually by the word of God this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. If you would turn turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to, we're going to uh, read verses 8 through 10, if you would just follow along with me. Genesis 4, 8. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is, thy, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Cain killed his brother, and the voice of his blood was crying out. The sin was not hidden. God knew very well what Cain had done in slaying his brother. And he murdered his brother. And not only did he murder his brother, but there's something that led to that, I believe, was sin in his own heart, obviously. But, but it says that when the Lord asked him and said, Abel, oh, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And his answer was, I know not. First of all, he lied. He did know where his brother was. He had just finished killing him and leaving him in the field. But he also asked the Lord a question and said, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Cain murdered his brother, but he also, prior to that, I would say disowned or emptied himself of any responsibility for his brother's well-being. He emptied himself. He disowned or disavowed any care for his brother, for his brother's well-being. Am I my brother's keeper? So Cain murdered his brother because of the wickedness that was in his own heart because the Lord had just told him prior to this, Cain, if you do well, won't you be accepted? Won't I accept you? We know, that, we know that what led up to this, and we just for time's sake didn't read it, but it says in the process of time that, that uh, Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock a blood sacrifice. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And Abel knew that that's what God wanted, that blood had to be shed because of man's sin. It was a picture 
okay, as a picture, but it was what God required and what pleased the Lord. And Abel was a shepherd, and he brought the firstling of his flock and offered it unto the Lord, and God was pleased with that. And Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. Basically, you could say he brought the fruit of his own life, the natural life. Uh, he was a religious man. I can't say he was irreligious, but he was wicked, and he offered what this should do. This should suffice. He offered from himself, and he offered the fruit of the ground, crops and so forth to the Lord. And the Lord said, no, that's, that's not what I've required, Cain. And, and he says, but I'm going to give you another chance, basically. He was angry. His countenance was falling. He was pouting. He was moping because God had accepted Abel's offering and not accepted his offering. And the Lord says, if you do well, won't you be accepted, Cain, if you do what's right? God's not a respecter of persons. He says, if not, he says, sin lieth at the door. If you don't do what's right, it's because of sin and rebellion and wickedness in your own heart because you know what's right and you're just choosing not to do it. And so I'll read this from 1 John. You know, the Bible talks about Cain and Abel and other places. I'll read this from 1 John chapter 3. We're told to love our brothers. And it says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And whereof, wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That's what this message is about today. It's very simple. But we're going to talk about being our brother's keeper. I don't know that I've ever preached on that before, but it's what the Lord put on my heart. Cain's sin was not only that he killed his own brother. He was jealous of his brother. He killed his own brother and then lied to Almighty God about it when questioned about it. It was not only that he murdered, but that in his heart he had no regard for his own brother. He had no love for his brother. Paul saw the same thing in his day, and I think there's nothing new uh, under the sun, the Bible says. Paul said this, for all seek their own and not the things that are Jesus Christ. All men on their own outside of Christ, outside of the new birth, which is in Christ Jesus, all men seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. And we ought to, and by faith we can, and we're born of God's spirit, we can seek the things that are Christ. Outside of being born again, we can't. And outside of even saved and not being under the lordship and the direction of the Holy Spirit, we're going to seek our own and not the things of Christ. This is a rebuke, by the way. For all men seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. That would have been Cain in a nutshell. Cain was selfish. Cain was self-centered. He was self-serving. And we see this, and we see it uh, revealed. But I want to talk about that word keeper. The key question, the key scripture for us today, when the Lord says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? He says, I know not. That's a lie. But then what we're focusing on here, am I my brother's keeper? It's almost like he's trying to justify himself and say, what is that to me? Am I the one that's supposed to watch over him? Am I my brother's keeper? What does the word keeper mean? It probably means more than, at least means more than I originally thought before I really dug into the word. Am I my brother's keeper? The word keeper means to guard. It means to hedge about, like for protection. It means to protect to attend to, to preserve, to regard, to watch over, to save. 
That's a mouthful, but all pretty much the same definition. Am I my brother's guard and watchman? Am I to regard him and preserve him and save him and protect him? God's answer to that is a resounding yes. God's answer to that is yes. Just so we know that. He doesn't give the answer here, but we, it's implied and taught all through the scriptures and all through the, God's word that we are our brother's keeper. We are our brother's keeper. It's important to God. It's of God. As God's people, we are to, to guard. I'm going to give that definition, uh, some, at least in part. We are to guard, to hedge about, to protect, to watch out for, to preserve our brothers, especially in Christ. Our brother is our responsibility. And I would think this morning God would have us to wake up to that more. Just wake up to that more. I believe it's, I know that it's important to the Lord. Cain was selfish, and in his selfishness and disregard, first of all, for the Lord, he had a disregard for the Lord and a rebellion in his own heart. Wasn't sensitive to the things of God, didn't desire to please God. He wanted to please himself. But in his disregard for the Lord, it manifests itself, I guess you would say, in a disregard for his own brother. And it ended or culminated in him murdering his own brother. I will say this, that a true love and care for those around us, a regard for the well-being of those around us, other people that God's put in our life, it's, it's Christ-like. Okay, It is a Christ-like virtue. And it's from the Lord. You know, Israel is an Old Testament example. They were an earthly people that God made a covenant with. But one of the points of him making the covenant, one of the purposes of Israel being set apart unto God, as the church is to be set apart unto the Lord, was to be a light to the Gentiles. But he told them specifically in many of the, the commandments that he gave, he says, don't oppress the stranger when he comes and lives among you. Well, so what's the big deal about that? Well, it's of God. That's what he's saying. Don't oppress the stranger. He says, he says, you were strangers once. In other words, take regard for them, care for them. Well, they're not Jewish or they're not, they're not this or that, and I don't really know them that well. And he's saying, don't oppress the strangers. You, you need to remember something, Israel. You were strangers once in Egypt, and you were strangers passing through the wilderness until you got to the place that I, that I called you. I'm simply saying that tending for our brother is a Christ-like virtue or characteristic, and it begins with a true love for God. The individual person it is not going to have a genuine love for those around them. Any man is not, or woman is not. It, uh, apart from first coming to know Christ personally as Lord and Savior, knowing that my sins are forgiven, knowing that whom uh, the Let's, what's the scripture about? If we're forgiven much, we're going to love much. Right? And when we see what God has done for us, then we don't feel better than other people. We don't feel more important than other people. We have a genuine care and regard for them because God puts that in our hearts. You don't come by it naturally. You don't come by it joining a conference or a group or people who say, let's be more aware of people around us. It comes to us from the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Which we have in us by faith in Jesus. Amen. He sheds it abroad. 
He just like pours it out. He multiplies it. He makes it, well, I didn't used to love those people, and now we're able to love those people. I didn't used to love that person or that type of person, or I was selfish all my life. And who hasn't been selfish all their lives? But we don't have to be selfish now. Christ in us and the love of God that he pours out, we can love people with the love of the Lord. And I know sometimes we think, uh, well, if I'm loving of every people, I won't, who's going to take care of me? If I'm giving to other people in their need, who's going to take care of me? If I'm pouring out so much to other people, who's going to pour into me? Can I tell you, God will. God will take care of me. He may use other people. He may just do it sovereignly between him and you. But you cannot outgive God. Give of yourself, give of yourself, and God is able to multiply it back to us and pat us on the head and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Okay? We do it as unto the Lord, and it comes from God. We don't do it apart from the Lord and say, this is a good thing, let me try it. It has to be birthed in the Lord. It has to be by his spirit shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said that when he was questioned, he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. I know you know the passage, but in Matthew 22, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. It has to come from the Lord. And some people can put themselves first. I think most people, everybody without Christ does that. And some people say they know it's wrong and they just try and they want to put other people first. But they don't have Christ as the sinner. Christ has to be the sinner. And that what 1 Corinthians talked about, if I speak with the tongue of men and angels and have not love, it's God's love. It's agape love. If I gave everything I own to the poor, it doesn't profit anything if it's not based and out of the love of God. If, if I gave my body to be burned at the stake, it profits nothing if it's not birthed in the love of Christ. His love shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. It's a low, humble estimation of ourselves. And it is a, the highest possible estimation, not necessarily of others, but a highest estimation of Almighty God. And people created in the image of God, like we are. And people who in need of a Savior like we were before we came to Christ. A true love and a care and regard for others. We have to have a low biblical right estimation or view of ourselves. The world does not revolve around me, nor does it revolve around you. We have to have the highest estimation and regard for the Lord. And then our spirit, we're seat, and he's able to show us in the church and outside of the church and give us a love for others. We're not to pretend to love the Lord, nor are we to pretend to love our neighbor. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in the world. Amen. This fake, uh, fake love. It's it. God wants it to be a pure thing that comes from Him. It's a pure love from the Lord and for the Lord and for others. Beloved, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. There's a big difference. Anybody can say anything, oh, I love you so much, and put an arm around them and walk away and care nothing about that individual. People are good at that. 
But what God is saying is a genuine, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Truth is very important there. Not just deeds, not even just giving and doing good things. Lots of people can do good things for another person, but in truth. I would say in truth enough to bring the gospel to them and share the truth with them as well. God would have us to do that. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love, unfeigned. You know what that word is? not a word we use a lot, unfeigned. It means pure. It means sincere. It means true. Feigned means fake, false, pretend. By love, unfeigned. That's how Christians are to live and to treat one another. I want to read a couple of scriptures here. I'm reading from Romans 12. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. We don't naturally do that. I don't naturally do that. People don't naturally do that. We don't honestly, genuinely prefer one another. And yet, that's what the Bible says we're called to. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Again, that is not at all natural. It's not natural. And we can pretend... But the pretense, God sees right through it, and it does no good. It's not going to benefit the other person or us, and it's not pleasing to God. But for God really to so change my heart and life to where, honestly, I prefer my brother, you say that's unheard of. Well, it is unheard of. It's not of this world. It's of God. It's a miracle. And God is able to put that in our hearts and lives. Amen. To live for others. Cain did not prefer his brother. He did not have, first of all, such a love or honor for God, nor for his brother. And it manifests himself, itself finally in him killing his own brother. But as believers, y'all, we're instructed to, to love. Who and what are we to love? Well, we're to love the Lord. We've already given that scripture first and foremost with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. The neighbor could be, if you look at the 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 parable of the Good Samaritan, it was a complete stranger that, that was the man's neighbor, right? That was wounded and beat up and robbed and left for dead. And the man loved him and cared for him and he didn't even know him. We're to love our neighbors ourselves. We're to love our enemies. Now that's getting even more difficult, right? Loving the Lord. Well, he's pure, beautiful and wonderful and holy. I can love God. He tells me to love my neighbor as myself. Well, that's getting even harder. And then to love my enemy, well, that's just almost gone too far, right? We can't possibly love our enemies. But the Bible, Jesus says, but love them and do good to them that despitefully use you and persecute you. So I can't do that. No, you can't. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But at the same time, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We're told that. Amen? We're told that. And it has to be God. That ought to keep us on our face before the Lord. To be filled with such a love and a life and a heart for God first. Don't ever put people first. We're not humanitarians. We're Christians. We're not humanitarians. We're not social workers. We're the church of the living God. The habitation of Christ on this earth, so to speak. And you put God first. And he shows us in his wisdom how to minister and to love as he loved. Okay, as he is, for as he is, so are we in this world, the Bible says. But we're instructed to love our enemies. But especially, and this is really what we're talking about this morning, 
what I want to spend the rest of the message on this morning. Especially the believers are to love and care for our brothers and sisters in Christ. So yes, we love neighbors and enemies and strangers. But who does God put in your life just regularly? Who do we get to know and have relationships with? And on the prayer chain with and so forth. It's going to be people within the body. And God wants us especially to care for one another. Amen. Be kindly affectionate one to another. It says in Romans, he was talking about within the body right there. The other scriptures that talk about loving your enemies and so forth. But there are scriptures that talk about especially, and just listen to this, the, the, the body of Christ. As a Christian to the other Christians abroad, but then even more so specifically to the Christians that God's put in your life that you worship with and fellowship with. That's where we can practice. That's where we can live out our faith. Amen. With people that would really that are around us that we know and love them and prefer them and esteem them better than ourselves. And so Galatians 6.10 says, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that, that who are of the household of faith. I'm going to read it again. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so this is what we're talking about specifically in the message today, that being our brother's keeper, it is a God-given responsibility. I'm talking this morning, this part, on our brothers in Christ. And specifically, I would say the brothers in our local body that we, we know and we worship with it is a God-given responsibility from the Lord to us for those around us. And I'm thinking, I'm looking here at, at the church, and could be a man over here, and he's thinking, okay, as I'm preaching this, well, that, that man over there, I'm not going to use any names, this man may be thinking about that, this man over here, and say, how can I be his keeper? That man's got a job, and he, he's got a family, and he's got his own life, and he's pretty independent and self-sufficient. How can I be my brother's keeper? And I believe it's in, in this sense that we're our brother's keeper. Yes, we, we meet physical needs and so forth as that need would arise. In other words, finances or shelter or clothing or food, as those needs would arise, if they're genuine needs, and as we're able, we are to meet those. But that's not just what we're talking about here, being our brother's keeper. I believe one of the things most clearly taught in the Bible is that you and I as Christians are to watch out for each other spiritually. We're to watch out for each other's spiritual well-being. Yes, we can meet the physical needs. And if there are needs and we can meet them, we ought to. But beyond that, a lot of people stop there and they come short of what should be the most important. And what's the most important is that we ought to be concerned for, protect, watch out for our brothers in Christ, their walk with the Lord. Plain and simply, their walk with the Lord, their walk with Christ. We are to attend to it, regard it, be responsible for that. And how are we to do that? How are we to do that? The Bible says that in the body, the Lord's placed in every local body and in the body as a whole. But in the local body, like Cornerstone, he has placed uh, every man as he, woman and believer, with a certain role, so to speak, or position of the body. But he says this, regardless, every joint supplies what? Every joint. Every joint 
supplies every joint. What's the supply? The supplies of the Spirit, the supply of the Holy Spirit given and ministered. We ought to be concerned with, and, and it's one thing to ask and, and say, how's work going? Or sure is hot, you know, uh, when's this heat going to give a break? It's one thing to talk about those things to our Christian brothers and say, how's the family doing? How's the new job working out? We should care about those things, and that's natural. But our biggest concern and care, which is often our least concern, should be for their well-being in Christ. Job may be going great, but they might be doing really lousy in the Lord. Cool front might come through and cool us all off. I'm ready for it. That those things come and go, but we need to be concerned. One of the ways, the biggest ways I would say that we are a brother's keeper is we have concern for their spiritual health, so to speak, for their well-being in Christ. Because that's the only part of that brother and or sister in Christ that's eternal. Meeting the physical needs is wonderful, and we, sh- we, are, we have a responsibility to do that as God enables but oftentimes we neglect what's eternal and what's eternal is spiritual and what's spiritual is eternal. Paul said the same thing. Godliness is profitable unto all things, having a promise of the life that now is and that of that which is to come. It's the things that are spiritual are eternal. You and I need to care for our brothers and sisters in Christ, their walk, their growth, their maturity, their ministry. And to be honest with you, that takes effort. I'm just going to be straight up, and this will be our whole thought for the rest of the message. It takes effort on our part. I want to ask you this. When is the last time? You don't have to answer. I just want you to think honestly and let the Lord deal with all of us. When is the last time you personally ask someone about their walk with God? Not the job, not how the kids are doing, not their twisted ankle. Is it healing up okay? When's the last time we ask a brother or sister in this body and says, how's how's your walk with God? Tell me what's going on with you right now. Paul had this burden. You say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. Well, he was a Christian as well. He had a care for the churches. He he warned the churches of of things to come and and wolves in in the midst of them and so forth. But in order to actually be our brother's keeper, it takes effort, and we have to be willing. We have to be willing to let God use us in that way. We have to be willing to think about our brother and not just ourselves, and what time am I getting out of here, and what time do I get to, I have to get to Williamsburg, and can I squeeze lunch in there? We, can, we have to think not only about ourselves. We have to be willing to think about those around us. We have to be willing to consider them. We have to be willing to pray for them. And in prayer, God may put somebody in your heart and say, tonight at the prayer meeting or this morning, you're at the altar praying about this message. And God says, get up and go pray with Roy. I mean, I'm just picking somebody. Get, get up and go, you know what I'm saying? Or we have to be willing to consider, to think about not just ourselves, but to, to go to the Lord in prayer and desire to be used by the Lord in this way because it is of God. We are our brother's keeper. 
We need to go to them and encourage them as God would lead us. We need to go and inquire about them. We need to provoke them to love and good works. And it takes boldness on our part. And it takes a spiritual maturity on our part to be able to do that. And God can able, enable us to do that. Amen. But we must take it upon ourselves the responsibility of each other's well-being in Christ. I say ultimately it's God that keeps us. Okay. Ultimately, we are able to keep ourselves unspotted from the world and so forth. But he has placed us within a body, and he says, I want you to prefer one another. I want every joint and cornerstone to supply every other joint and cornerstone, not five of the joints supplying 50. I want every joint to supply every joint. That's why I put you there. Every joint supplying every joint. And so it's, it's not... We need to see it as our responsibility, not only as someone else's responsibility. Not only is that, well, the pastor does that. The pastor is a shepherd, and, and he is supposed to do that. And I would say, amen, the pastor is supposed to do that. But it is your responsibility as well. It's all of our responsibilities. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, it's written to the church in Galatia, brothers, Christian brothers, if one of your Christian brothers is overtaken in a fault, that means they felt or were overcome in sin. That's what that means. Ye that are spiritual, go to such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourselves, lest ye also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's not just, are they hungry? Feed them. Yes, we do that. It's beyond that. It's more important than that. If a brother's overtaken in a sin, you that are spiritual, go to such a one. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Amen? It's your responsibility. You, you and I are our brother's keepers. You might say, well, that's, that's not my personality. I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm going to leave that to somebody else. That's not my ministry. That's not my problem. That's not my responsibility. That's not my particular gifting. God says it is. God says it is. It is yours and it is mine as well. We will not try to escape that. God greatly saw fit to save each of us and place us in this body at this time. And these are the people that we are to keep and regard and protect and beware and preserve and watch out for. Tend to. I want to say this before I go any further. I'm very thankful for you. And I'm very thankful for those in this body that I do see walking in this and practicing. You're living, maybe you never use those particular words, but you are living as your brother's keeper. I see you, and I'm thankful for it. Maybe I don't see all that's done. You'll go talk to a visitor. You call and check on someone that haven't seen in church for a while. Someone that's missed, you invite them to Bible study. Want to talk to them about the Lord. You cook a meal for them. We're extremely blessed, but I would still say God wants us to hear this this morning. He wants us to grow in this. He, it is a godly trait, and we're not all fulfilling it as we should. So I'm going to close with the thought, how can we care for our brother's spiritual well-being? How how can I tell, for example, if this brother over here is doing really great in the Lord 
or they're overtaken in a fault? It's a good question, right? How can I tell who I'm supposed to go to? How do I know how they're doing spiritually to even ask them? And I would say it's not nearly as complicated as we think. First of all, God will speak to us. If we'll take the time to pray, pray for the people in your church daily. Pray for the people in your church and let God bring them to your hearts and minds and lift them up before the Lord. He can show you. But it's, not, it's really not that complicated. We are around each other all the time. And here's some few general questions. If I want to know, is this brother or that brother or that sister or this young person in Christ, are they doing well right now? Are they doing sort of, are they uh, not doing well in Christ? Basic question. Are they consistently at church? Would it not, not be harder than, are they, than, than, you know, than this? Are they consistently at church? Are they consistently at the prayer meetings and Sunday school? Did they used to come? Here's a good one. Did so, so you're thinking about people in the church. Did they used to come more than they do now? That's a big one because that shows a direction to me. They used to be here, and now they're hit and miss. I don't know what the particular problem is, but I would think there's a problem, right? And to be honest with you, the people, I look around, I see, you know, most of us were here morning, noon, and night, so to speak, where every, every time the church is open, not out of legalism, but because we desire to be here and worship God together. And I'm not worried about most of you spiritually. God could put you on my heart and you, you put me on your heart. He can still do that, but I'm not. A lot of the basics are taken care of. If I see you at the prayer meeting, we'll keep going. Are that, that person you're thinking about, your brother or sister in the Lord, are they at the altar seeking the Lord? Do you see them at the altar or making an altar at their seat? Are they on time for church? Are they serving the Lord? Do they volunteer to help and serve and look for opportunities to help within the body? Do they only talk about worldly things? Always, only. Every time you talk to them, not necessarily sinful things, but they, they never talk about Jesus. These are things that we think about. It may show us where, at least in part, where someone is spiritually, and we could talk to them more. When it comes to church, do they come late and leave early? Do they tithe? Well, we may not know that, but it's a, it's a legitimate question. Do they give to the things of God? Do they take an interest in the life and well-being of others within the body? Do you see them going and praying over other people? Are they the first ones to show up for a barbecue and the last ones to show up for witnessing? First ones to show up for a bowling night, but the last ones to show up for a prayer meeting? These are things we need to think about. We need to take an interest, an honest interest in our brothers and sisters in the Lord and their walk with Christ. It needs to be genuine. Not judgmental, but a genuine interest and care that they do well. God didn't call us to be converts. He called us to be disciples. And we are not only called to be disciples, we're called to be disciplers, to make disciples of all men. And a disciple is a learner or a follower. I know that we, when it comes to people in the church and our relationships, we have people that we're better friends with, people that you gravitate to more and talk to when we have our coffee and donuts and so forth. That's, that's fine. It's understandable. But we need to go beyond that and be mature in Christ as well and take a notice of everybody, everybody that God has put here.
show an interest, and let God use you in their lives. Go to them, pray for them, pray with them, ask them, how is your walk with the Lord? What is God showing you? What have, been, have you been reading your Bible? Oh, that's, that's just getting into someone's business. Well, we're called to do that. Be led by the Spirit. Be prayed up. Don't do it if God's not leading you to do it. But take an interest. God, would you have me go talk to them there? I'm concerned about them. I hadn't seen them. They used to come every time the doors are open. Now they come every other time the doors are open. I'm concerned about them. What would you have me to do? Lord, help them. Turn them. He's going to show you what to do. What's God showing you in his word? You go to him. You, you consider them. Jesus said, by a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I've loved you. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Disciple to disciple. Believer to believer. The world, it's a witness to the, to the world. I'm going to close with this, but I'm going to use it for an example, but there's some, a lot of truth in it. I'll just speak to this side of the church. We've got our two halves here. This side of the church. Do you know that there's a young person on this side of the church that's praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Do you care? Can you pray for them? Can you pray that God would, that they would receive that gift? There's some, one of your Christian brothers on this side, maybe more, is praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This side of the church, you know somebody over here that may be really struggling at work? They don't know if they're coming or going. They're so busy. It's starting to affect their walk with the Lord. They're not taking their time in prayer and reading their Bible. It's starting to have a toll on them. Do you care? Somebody over here might be going through that right now, and they need an encouragement. They need someone to pick them up and look them in the eyeballs and say, you keep your eyes on Jesus. Is there something I can do to help? Do you want me to pick you up for church? you want me to pick you up for Bible study? It's, it's taking an interest you know, there's somebody over here that's extremely, extremely burdened for their lost family members to, to be saved, and they can almost can't stand it. They're longing so badly for their family to be saved before they die and go to hell. You want to pray with them? You understand what I'm saying? This, this is real. This is our church. Everybody's got their church, and God's done that within their body. This is what the Lord's called us to do here. Do you know there's somebody on this side of the church that has a real burden? I know a lot of us do, but, it, but has a real burden for revival in our country. And they're burdened, extremely burdened for that. And they pray. You want to join them in prayer? Praying for our country at a prayer meeting or at the altar or some other time? God wants us to, to take a genuine interest in the lives of others. He wants us to be our brother's keeper. It's important to God. We're his hands and feet, so to speak, and his mouths. God takes care of us all. And we have a, certainly have a responsibility for our own walk with God, but there's some reason he places us in a body and calls it a body, that every joint is to supply every joint. I'm going to close with this. Indeed, you can come. I'm going to read a scripture I read before. How? How do we do this? By pureness of heart, by knowledge. Paul says by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. 
John says, in 3 John, the Apostle John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. What's your greatest joy, John? He says, I have no greater joy than to know my children, those in Christ, maybe that he witnessed to and led to the Lord and discipled. I have no greater joy than to get word they're doing well. They're walking in the truth. They're doing well. We need to care. We need to care about each other's walk with Christ. There's a reason he put us together. Amen. We're not a little clan. We're not a little cult. We are the body of Christ. Amen. And we're to love and care genuinely for each other's spiritual well-being. And it takes a little effort on our part. It takes a boldness. That's not my personality. It's God's personality. Let him love through you. Let him go reach out to another person through your life. He desires to do it. Y'all stand with me. The altar's open. I pray we'd all come to the altar and just pray for the Holy Ghost to shed abroad in our hearts the love of Almighty God.